You're listening to Resurrection South Austin, a community of faith, learning to do life together in the goodness of God. For more information, you can find us online at resaustin.com. In the name of God, the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Y'all can have a seat. Happy Pentecost, everybody. Pentecost. Kids, kids, uh, what colors do you see? I mean, I know you see a lot of colors, but what's the color that you see today? What's the right answer? Look around. What about the color of the stole right here? What about, check out Father Sean's shoes and socks. Can you guys see this? Huh? Somebody see that? What color is that, Jamie? It's like red. It's shades of red. It's tasteful. It's tasteful and nice. Vans makes an addition of uh, shoes just for Pentecost, for priests, for preaching. So, uh, that's what I got on today. The Spirit of God, the Spirit of God, the, the person of God himself is not somewhere else this morning. He's with us. Let that sink in for a moment. That's why we're wearing red. That's why we have like lit up that sensor to the max. I know some of you are barely breathing. <laughs> struggling a little bit. It's to, I know. I'm sorry, Nikki. It's to remind us that the Spirit of God is, is that potently close and near to us this morning. Helps kind of ignite our imaginations. All the red, the, the altar's all red and beautiful. All of this is to remind us that God is not busy somewhere else, occupied with other things, but his spirit has been gifted to us, his church this morning, and he's with us. How powerful and cool that is. Amen? Amen. Amen. That makes a difference. Well, the spirit of God in our Acts um, passage, it shows up, and this is partly kids why we wear red to, to help us remember, is from this one story that we see in, the, in Acts chapter 2, and it said this, that the spirit of God appeared on the apostles as divided tongues, as of fire. Kids, can you imagine your hair catching fire? It'd be something, that's happened to me kind of before. Um, it doesn't like flame up like that, it just burns. But can you imagine a flame appearing above your heads? What would you do if there was a little fire over your head. You'd probably put water on it, yeah? Or you maybe like scream a little bit. You'd be surprised. But you can imagine these apostles, the disciples in that room, when that fire appeared above their head, they were freaking out a little bit. They went a little bit crazy. They didn't expect that this would happen. This is the power that had come from on high. And guess what happened? They started doing the craziest things. They started speaking in languages they had probably never even heard before, some of them. Maybe they've heard it, but they certainly didn't know. These apostles, these everyday people like you and I, speaking all of these languages. We got a little weird on Pentecost. But this is our story, church. This is us. This is not those people. There's no those people. This is our church. This is us. God's spirit filling, filling regular people. Can you imagine? That is the place of Pentecost this morning. That's the place I want to invite you to dwell this morning. You might be wondering, okay, I know it's Pentecost. We know the story in scriptures. But isn't isn't like the spirit of God like a thing for crazy kind of fanatical Christians? Like, I mean, the charismatics, they got monopoly on that, right? We don't have to worry about that. After all, Sean, we're Anglicans. We got the liturgy, so we don't got to worry about those kind of surprises, <laughs> right? I know, come on. Thinking, well, we don't have to deal with stuff like that. Folks, we are talking about the third person of the Holy Trinity. This is not something that Crazy fanatical Christians or charismatics or those people participate in only. This is the third person of the Holy Trinity. This is our God. This is the same spirit of Jesus. If I said, how many of y'all know and love Jesus? You'd be like, oh, yeah, a bunch of us. We know and love Jesus. That same person, that same spirit, that is the spirit of God that is given to us. We would recognize it. What it does is it brings us to life in the goodness of God. This is what the spirit does for us. Empowering his church 
for the sake of other people. Pentecost isn't this strange little obscure day in the middle of the calendar that we've got to like drudge through and it's, I mean, we wear red and things might get a lot out of hand, but that's it. No, Pentecost is actually a really normal experience in the Christian life. It's so critical uh, in the story of Christianity. It's the fulfillment after all. I don't know if you remember this in John 16. It's the fulfillment of what Jesus promised himself. Do you remember this? Check this out. This is, I think this is I still can't wrap my head around it fully, but he says this. Jesus says this to his disciples. Look, it's better for you that I go away and send the comforter, send the spirit of God to you. Think about that. What would be better than having Jesus in person with us walking through life? Man, I can't think of anything. But Jesus himself said, you know what? I'll tell you what would be better. It would be better that I go away and that I send my spirit to be with you. Why? How is that better than having Jesus in person with us? What in the world could God be up to that this would be better, that he would send his spirit? This is exactly what we're going to look at this morning. And we're going to look in chapter, uh, chapter 2 of the book of Acts, starting in verse 21 and heading through 42. But just to frame this, I want to just, let's take a trip in our heads together this morning. We've got all this incense. might be a little confusing, but I just need you to picture this, okay? You've been walking with Jesus for a few years. Okay? You're good friends. You're walking with Jesus. You're, you're listening to the way he talks. You're kind of picking up on his thing, the way he talks, his language. You're learning the things that he loves. You know his favorite food. You know the way he does things. You know the way he handles uh, like sketchy little situations with adulterous women and tax collectors. You know how he does these things. You're getting really, really familiar with Jesus. And just when you feel like you have got the hang of following Jesus, you've got this down. He's crucified. He's buried for three days. He's resurrected by God the Father. And then he ascends to sit at the right, throne, the right hand of God in the throne. Now what? <laughs> and then he says, uh, he tells you this. Um, Thus it is written that the Messiah is to suffer and to rise from the dead. And on the third day, or, sorry, the, the Messiah is to suffer and to rise from the dead on the third day. And that repentance and forgiveness of sins is to be proclaimed in his name to all nations. We're taking the show on the road, people. This is to go to the, all the nations, beginning with Jerusalem here. And then he says this. This is where it gets a little dicey and a little scary. He says, guess what? Disciples, you are my witnesses. You. The work I've done here, that's your work now. You are my witnesses of these things. In verse 49, he says, And see, I'm sending upon you what my father promised, so stay here in the city until you've been clothed with power from on high. Take that in for a second. All that has happened in the life of Jesus, death, burial, resurrection, ascension, and these are the words that are still ringing in your heart and in your head. Stay in Jerusalem because you're about to be clothed with power from on high. The apostles, Jesus' closest friends, his disciples, were named effectively ambassadors of his kingdom. You're not just regular old fishermen. You're not, I know you're not educated. You're not qualified. Trust me, I get it. You, I'm naming you, Jesus says, as my ambassadors of my kingdom. And you know what they're thinking? Well, this is what I would be thinking. But what he's describing that we go and do is the stuff that Jesus does. Healing people, casting out demons, announcing, demonstrating, embodying God's way of doing things in the world. That's Jesus' job. We're not Jesus. 
how in the world are we supposed to pull this off? That's what he does. The forgiveness of sins, proclaiming to the nations. It's like this. If anybody been following the Warriors uh, series, Trailblazers, Warriors, NBA, basketball, zoom out further, sports. Okay? No, everybody's like, we don't know about Steph Curry. So it's like Steph Curry, probably, I, I'm just going to say this from the pulpit. Steph Curry's probably the greatest player that's ever played the NBA. Um, we'll leave that. Um, I know, I'm sorry. Huh, all these humming. But it's like Steph Curry coming to the, I'm sorry, coming to the sideline and saying, hey, Tish, here's the ball. You play. Fourth quarter. Fourth quarter. The finals. You're in. And I'd be like, what's your name? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> now multiply that moment of like NBA finals, fourth quarter. There, it's like tie game. Steph Curry comes to the sidelines, hands you the ball and says, now you play. You go. My ambassador. Go ahead. Now multiply that by about 89 million times. And you effectively get the power and the ministry of the life of Jesus here on earth. Let that sink in. Let the gravity of that situation fall upon you as it did probably with the disciples. They were thinking, we're not going to just need a little help. We're going to need a miracle. Are you all with me? This is the picture here. When the day of Pentecost had come, Acts chapter 2 verse 1, they were all together in one place. And suddenly from heaven there came a sound like a rush of violent wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. Divided tongues as a fire appeared among them, and a tongue rested upon each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit, and they began to speak in other languages as the Spirit gave them ability. What we're seeing here in Acts is that miracle. Jesus has named his disciples, his ambassadors. He's, he's described the project that's at hand, that God is reconciling all of creation to himself, and they are sent as his ambassadors. And God sends his spirit, filling and empowering his apostles, his loved disciples, not to show off or scare people or even kind of check out what the Holy Spirit can do, like tricks kind of stuff. No, why did God give his spirit? It wasn't given to them to help them in their jobs. Be better fishermen. Think about this. Think about the ways we take the gift of the Spirit and kind of pervert it selfishly. It wasn't given to help them in their jobs, people. It may. Certainly it does. But it wasn't how I was given. It wasn't given to them to help them accomplish their dreams. Take that, America. But isn't it about just getting our dreams accomplished? Man, the Holy Spirit wasn't given to you to accomplish your dreams. It wasn't even given to you to make you a good person. Hmm. Not any of that. No. Why was the Spirit of God given to the disciples here in Acts chapter 2? Why? For everyone else there who didn't speak their language, they were given the Holy Spirit to speak the native language of all these people and proclaim the gospel. The Spirit of God was given for the sake of others. Wow. Are you catching this? The power of God given to us as a gift is not to be bottled up and held and shown off. Check out what we got. Check out these new toys. No. This is given specifically to us for the sake of others, that others would hear the announcement of what God is doing in the world, the establishment of his kingdom, the reconciliation of all things through his son, Jesus. That's why the Spirit is given to his church. Holy Spirit is not some shortcut for us to have some career success. It's not like a jetpack for your life goals and ambitions. Neither is the Spirit something just for the religious elite. Well, if you like really 
I mean, if you like really crank up the Christian thing in your life and get your stuff together, then, then you'll get, no, that's not how the Spirit works. That's not what it's for. God's gifting of the Holy Spirit was actually not about any of the disciples. Not at all. But for those who are hearing the gospel, maybe for the first time in their own native tongue. Can you imagine? The Spirit empowers the church to go forward in the world, announcing demonstrating and embodying God's plans in the world, his goodness that is given for the sake of others, his goodness that is realized in the person of Jesus Christ. That's why the Spirit is given. And that's why the Spirit is given to us, his church, for the same exact reason. It's not any different. The Spirit is given to us to do its work in us that others might encounter. Now check this. I'm going to make a pretty uh, audacious claim here, but this is like regular Christianity. The Spirit is given to us that God would do his work in us so that others would encounter the risen and living Jesus. He's still alive? Oh, yeah, big time. He is. The Spirit is given so that others might encounter the living Christ. I thought he was dead. No, he's resurrected and ascended to the Father, and his Spirit is in us that others might encounter him in a real way. Jesus is living an actual real life on the earth today. He's wandering out and about through his people, through his church. That's why we're called the body of Christ. We don't mean this in some sort of sentimental, sweet, religious way. We mean this in exactly the audacious way that it sounds, the scandalous kind of claim that it sounds like, yeah, that's what we mean. Jesus is really present out in the world through his people and his church. And the spirit, the spirit makes that happen. And that's in us. I'm describing you guys, by the way. If you don't know this yet, this you church. Through the Holy Spirit, Jesus Christ is made present in us, in our church, out in the neighborhood, even in South Austin in 2016. Surely I will be with you to the end of the age is what Jesus promised us. Do you think he fulfills his promises? He most certainly does. He's never failed us before. And he says, surely I will be with you to the end of the age. And in the sacraments, we, I mean, the, the tradition of the church, we take this very, very seriously. And when Jesus offers us himself in the sacraments, we actually believe that he's present. And in his presence in the sacraments and our participation in it, guess what happens to us? We are made living members of his body. We become filled with the spirit of God. And now Jesus is present in his church, in our lives, out and about. That's dangerous. How wonderful. What a thing to let loose in the world. You and I are made his living body in a world that so desperately needs to encounter the living Jesus. This is why the Spirit is given. This is the Pentecost church. That's why Pentecost is so important to us. It's a wonderfully dangerous thing in a world that is pretty suspicious that God's actually a dead, like either a myth or he's totally dead. We're a body of people that say, no, God is alive and he's living his life through us. Okay, let's push back for a second. Sounds good. Pentecost, we're on board with you, Sean, but let's just be real first. Can we get real for a second? We've got plans, though, right? Like, other than that, we've made pl- I've made plans sometimes. I've- we make plans. What about the plans I've made? I'm a good person. I'm doing the best I can, Sean. Can you really ask me to do any more than that? Uh, isn't that just kind of good enough? I mean, we're doing pretty good. We, we like, manage our reputation. We, uh, we try to make maybe a name for ourselves, make something of our lives. What more can God ask of us? We're doing our best. Babel had plans. Genesis 11, we heard Mr. Ratliff read for us. Then they said, come, let us build a name, uh, build a, ourselves a city and a tower 
with its tops in the heavens. Let us make a name for ourselves. Otherwise, we should be scattered abroad on the face of the whole earth. And then verse 9. There the Lord confused the language of all the earth, and from there the Lord scattered them abroad over the face of the earth. God scattered Babel for their own good. What a gift to help catch it before it got really ugly. Because why? They totally and utterly missed the point of what their lives were for. Human life, human flourishing isn't found in making a name for yourself. It's not in building big cities or fantastic things. That's not where human life is to be found. Doing your best is not ever what God has actually asked you to do. He asks you to obey him. Building impressive things, boasting yourself, making something. That's not the Christian life. Now listen, I'm all for um, like the building up of society, human flourishing, work hard at your jobs. Yes, 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 yes. But this is my point. Is that if you do all of that apart from participating in the life of God, you're missing the reason you were created. Did you all hear that? If you are going about in the world and maybe you're an artist or maybe you're an accountant or maybe you're a mother at home, you should do great, wonderful work. You should. You should, you should work really, really well. Be creative. Build things. Start schools. Do all that. But do it in such a way that participates in God's life. Maybe that sounds like, first of all, saying, God, what would you like me to do? What a dangerous question. I've asked that a few times and look where it got me, you know? <laughs> Once you and I were like Babel, we made plans. We made our own plans. But when we met the living Jesus, everything changed, didn't it? We, for the first time, maybe saw true beauty, true justice. We saw flourishing. We saw what it meant to be a human being. We saw the forgiveness of sins in a very profound and deep way. We saw the resurrection of the dead, our hope as Christians. We saw, essentially, the life that you and I were created, meant for. That's the life we were meant to live. We were once a Babel people, but now in Christ, we are made a Pentecost people, a people who receive God's own spirit poured out into our lives. And then we ask crazy questions like, God, where would you like me to go today? What are you doing in my life today? How do I carry on in my job and in my home and in my workplace or out and about as you would, Jesus? Because now I'm your ambassador. I'm sent as a living representative of you. We are a Pentecost people. And all of this isn't, you got to get this. This is, I think, what makes sense of all this. It's not all so that you can feel better about your life or that you can even have a cool story to tell other people that you got to participate in the life of God. This is all given to us for the sake of other people, that others would come in contact with the living God in us by the power of the Holy Spirit. This is what the Spirit of God does. Friends, this morning, the Holy Spirit moves in power, like actual Real life, 2016, Austin, Texas, power for us. Jesus is present among us, just as he promised he would be. God's plan of healing is already underway. That's reality. That's what's happening. How then do we respond? If that's what Pentecost is about, and I've told you, church, this is who you are as the recipient of God's spirit, then how do we respond this morning? What, what next? How do we live? Well, let's, let's just listen to Peter in the reading in Acts. He said, verse 38, repent, repent, be baptized, every single one of you, 
in the name of Jesus Christ, so that your sins may be forgiven and you will receive the gift of the Spirit. For this promise is for you, not for the person sitting next to you, not for someone who you're thinking, you know who needs to hear this sermon? Not even for that person. That, maybe it is. But listen, this sermon, this promise that Jesus, that Peter is telling us about is for you and for your children and for all who are far away, those who are on your hearts like, Lord, when are you going to bring them back into your fold? This promise is for them also. Everyone whom the Lord our God calls to him. That's who this promise is for. Repent just means stop the, your way of doing things. Turn away from the ways that, the arrangements that you make, those plans and those habits that you have. This is the way I do things. Repent from your way of doing things. Just give it up. Be baptized. It's just that moment in the Christian life when we're washed of sin and united with the life, death, resurrection of Christ. We're joined to his body. This promise is for you. This repentance and baptism thing is something that you can participate in if you haven't already. So let's, let's do this, church. Stop entertaining a life apart from participating in the life of God. Reimagine your life cooperating with God and his spirit for the sake of other people. Maybe that means thinking less of yourself oftentimes and thinking about the needs of other people before yourself. And when you do this, and I'm telling you, if, if you don't regularly serve other people as a Christian, you are not participating in the life of God. Can I say that again? If you are not regularly serving other people, you are not participating in the life of God. So maybe that means rearranging some things and cooperating with this deposit of the spirit that's been entrusted to you. And when you do, I think that you will find that you come alive in new ways. You find that, man, this is what I was created to do. What joy, what life is here when you serve others and when you cooperate with the Spirit. You'll come alive. One way uh, that we can respond to this this morning is to ask ourselves this. Are we serving other people regularly? Where in my life am I doing that? How am I thinking of others? Maybe you're a mother and you're serving little people all the time. Uh, you got a head start. Or maybe you're a friend taking care of another person, another, a friend who's in the hospital. <laughs> Something like that. Uh, maybe uh, one of your kids is an acolyte and you show up early to make sure that your kids can serve because they love to serve and they love to do this. These are just like little tiny ways. They don't seem like much. But in, even in these really common moments, these people, and this is happening all over our church in ways that I haven't even mentioned, they're participating, they're cooperating with what the Spirit of God is doing, living selflessly for the sake of others and serving. If you don't know, there is a thriving community behind the curtain here. I know some of you just show up on Sunday morning and, man, it's just like the incense is smoking, things are raging, and like things are set up. But there's a thriving community of people who are serving behind the scenes. And you know what? They're not bitter or like angry or like, oh, I can't stand being here. These, let me tell you, these people actually enjoy serving you. Go figure. They, I think, are participating with the Spirit of God that's been entrusted to them. And they've come alive in it. They love it. What a gift it is to them to serve you. I invite you, come at 8 o'clock on Sunday morning and just watch. <laughs> You'll see these people serving with such joy. And it's wonderful. Week after week, we get to enjoy coffee. Little things. But we get to enjoy coffee and childcare. We get to sit in chairs. We get to hear beautiful music and sing along as we worship. They pray for you. They host you in their homes for table groups. They plan parties for you. They balance budgets. 
Yeah, people are doing that, you know? They wash linens, they iron things. They do all kinds of things, these people behind the scene. And if that's you, way to go. I want to say, way to go. Way to cooperate with the Spirit of God. Way to be the church and to get to work and to serve others. You've seen that by serving others, those people that I'm talking to are serving, you're cooperating with the very Spirit of God, the very person of God given to you. If you're not a part of a service team, man, you should be. You're, you're totally missing out. And you're totally invited to join one. Find a leader. I know you know people who are serving. Pull them aside and say, hey, what can I do? I'd love to serve. I'd love to regularly discipline myself to think about others and to serve others and thereby cooperate with God's spirit in me for the sake of other people. You can ask any of them and uh, um, that's just one way to respond. That's just one of many ways. Maybe there's other areas in your life that you could think of other people and the needs of others. Maybe it's your workplace. Maybe it's out and about in your friend's circle or your community. Find ways of saying, God, what are you doing and how do I serve these people in light of your kingdom, in light of your son, cooperating with your spirit that other people would encounter through your service, the living Jesus? Y'all tracking with me? This is so important. If you're here this morning and you've never put your trust in Jesus, you've never actually put your, kind of your full weight of trust in following the person of Jesus, this gift, this promise is for you. Receive the forgiveness of sins this morning. Receive the filling of the Holy Spirit in baptism. During this time of communion, uh, we invite everyone to come up. If you're not a follower, you haven't been baptized, we still invite you to come up and cross your arms. You can come up at that time and say, I want to receive Jesus. I want to put my trust in him. And you know what we'll do? We'll pray for you. We'll say, Lord, we, we pray. Will you allow this person to follow you, put their trust in you? We'll lead you in that time of prayer. And then we have folks in the back after communion that would love to pray for you. If this is a little intimidating, come on up here. Go find our folks in the back who pray and say, I want to follow Jesus. What does that look like? And they would love to talk to you about it and pray for you. If you're in need of healing this morning, maybe you're in a really rough place, you need bodily healing or emotional or whatever spiritual healing, today is actually, a, we do this once a month, a healing Sunday where we invite everyone to come forward and to lay those wounds and those burdens at the altar and ask God for his spirit's power to come and heal us. And guess what? God is really eager and willing and he loves to lavish us with healing. So we get to come forward and be healed this morning. If you're not sure where you are in all of this, if you're kind of like, you know, things are just like, okay, Sean. Um, I would say, sit in your seat when we have a moment of silence here just in a minute and say, Spirit of God, come, fill me. Show me what it is that I need. Show me, Lord, what are you doing? What is it that I can ask for healing? How can I serve others? Open yourself to the power of the Spirit and he will move in power for the sake of others. Let's take a moment to be silent and open ourselves to the work of God's Spirit this morning. You're listening to Resurrection South Austin, a community of faith, learning to do life together in the goodness of God. For more information, you can find us online at resaustin.com.